0: Rahab, from the sermon series, Matriarchs of the Messiah, spoken by Pastor Ansi. Post. So I grew up in India, uh, being raised by my dad and my grandparents. I brought a little India with me in my outfit today. Um, my mom had gone to the Middle East to work when I was about six months old. And so I grew up without my mom and she worked to support our family. Uh, she would come back to India like once uh, for a month every year. She like put all her vacation and time off together. So she'd come back for one month and she'd come with a suitcase full of gifts. And it was such an exciting for me t- time for me to see my mom and spend time with her. But then she would have to go back. When I was about three or four years old, my dad also went to Oman to work and be with my mom. And so I grew up um, being raised by my grandparents, anticipating and waiting for the return of my parents. As a child, a year is a very long time to wait. And although I was surrounded by people who loved me, it is not the same as having my parents there. I just had to trust and have faith that my parents would return. I actually didn't grow up with my mom regularly until I was nine years old. It is not easy to have faith and wait for someone's return. Today, we will learn about a woman in the Bible who did just that, wait in faith. We're continuing our series on the matriarchs of the Messiah, and we're going to talk about a woman of faith that waited on the Lord and trusted in the promise of God's people. In the book of Joshua, God introduces us to one of the most thought-provoking and astonishing heroines of the Old Testament, Rahab, a prostitute of the Canaanite city of Jericho. She is an unlikely hero who demonstrates how God uses the most unlikely of people to do extraordinary things. Ultimately, Rahab is noteworthy for her great faith and her place in the lineage of Jesus Christ. But a closer examination of the life of this remarkable Gentile woman can lead to a deeper insight into how we can live out our faith in God. We find Rahab in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. As Pastor Peter mentioned last week, Women were not generally found in genealogies in the Bible, and especially not foreign women. However, we see that Rahab, a Canaanite woman, is right smack in the middle of the genealogy of Jesus. The story of Rahab begins in Joshua chapter 2. Now I know some, most of you know, may know this story, um, and, the, and our kids have learned this in our, our classes also, um, but let me just summarize the story. So the Israelites had kind of wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years, and they were poised to take Canaan, which is the land that God has promised them. And, they were, and the first city in their sights was Jericho. Joshua sends out two spies to uh, scout the territory around Jericho. They arrive at Rahab's house, and they kind of spend the night there. You know, her house is also like a, a hotel or an inn where travelers might stay. When the king of Jericho heard that about these men being at her house, he sent his men to search for them. But, they, but Rahab hid the spies, and she sent the king's men off in a different direction. All the while, the spies were safely hidden on her rooftop. She knowingly placed herself and her family at risk and of being in grave danger and even the possibility of being put to death by hiding these spies. After the king's men left, she joins the men on the rooftop. And Rahab told the men, hey, I, me, and the people in Jericho, we kind of heard about the things the Lord's done, um, how he saved you, and how he's given all of this victory to you. And then she asks. The Israelite spies if they would guarantee her and her family's safety when they came back to destroy Jericho. They agree. Eventually Jericho is destroyed, and Rahab and her family are saved. Um, she and her family join the Israelites and they they worship the mighty God of Israel. So that's the story of Rahab. So the book of Joshua tells us that Rahab and the people of Jericho had heard stories of God's mighty acts, of how he'd saved them through the Red Sea, how he'd given them victory over the Amorite kings. So this means that everyone in Jericho had some degree of knowledge of the Israelites and the God of the Israelites. And rumors about God had spread throughout the land. Joshua chapter 2, verse 11 says... When we had heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. When the people of Jericho heard about the wonders that God had done, they became fearful. They were afraid. But Rahab, she chose to believe in the Lord. She believed in the Lord because of the stories she had heard of what he had done. There is a strong connection between faith and knowledge. We cannot believe in a God we do not know or know about. And for our faith to grow, we must know more about him. For Rahab, it was listening to the stories about God. Because back in those days, they just had the oral tradition. That's how people knew about God through the oral tradition of sharing stories. For us today, it is this. It is through reading the scriptures. It is by spending time in the word that we learn about what God has done. We must know more about who God is and what he's promised. But faith is certainly more than just knowledge. The people of Jericho also knew about God and what he has done, but that only led to fear for them. But for Rahab, the knowledge didn't end with fear. She, instead, she concluded, The Lord your God is God in heaven above on an earth below. She basically gives her statement of faith here. Yeah. By using the words heaven and earth, Rahab affirms that God has sovereign power and has the right to exercise it throughout the whole universe. Her knowledge about God and what he did led to faith. The fact that Rahab chose to cast her lot with the Israelites and not her own people seems to be a pretty clear indication that the Spirit of God was already at work in Rahab's house. and before, That's even before the spies arrived. And it was the same Spirit that led those spies to go to her home. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says... Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. We all memorize that verse, right? Hmm. Rahab was a woman of faith. And the only woman mentioned by name in the Hebrews 11 chapter that many call the hall of faith or heroes of faith. Yeah. Hebrews 11:31. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she had welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Mm -hmm. The story of Rahab is one of the most amazing biblical stories of an individual's faith and the Lord's mercy. It is Rahab's faith that saved her and her family. And it was her faith that led her to be part of the people of God and eventually in the genealogy of Jesus. It is through looking at the lives of the people of God in the Bible that we can learn to live out our faith. As Christians and as people of God, we need to live out our faith in Jesus. Let's look at some ways we can learn from Rahab on how to live out our faith. First, we live out our faith when we trust God. When we trust in God's provision, faith starts with trust. Sometimes we want signs from God, about God's favor before we will believe in him or trust him. And so we trust him for health and wealth, and when we don't get it, we get disillusioned. And when we... right. We want evidence. We want evidence of God's faithfulness. And, and then when he allows something to happen that challenges our faith or um, that seems a little unfair, our faith begins to fail. We do all these things even though we have God's promise right here. But Rahab believed without any supporting evidence that he would do what she asked for. We live out our life, our faith, when we trust and wait on the Lord. Before the spies, two spies left, they asked Rahab to tie the scarlet cord on her house. Scarlet, it's a color red. Um, and And to gather all her family members into her house. For the scarlet rope to be effective in protecting Rahab and her family, she had to place her faith in it and on the word of God's people. Joshua chapter 2, 17 to 21. And now, now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding to us unless when we enter the land, you have tied the scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. Unless you have brought out your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house. If any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she said. She replied, Let it be as you say. So she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in her window. They basically tell her, Hey, you made us agree to this oath, but we can't guarantee any of this unless you do all the things you need to do to guarantee your protection, right? She had to agree to all these things. And you can see in these verses that she immediately agrees and she obeys her direction. She tied that scarlet rope in her house and hung it out the window. She didn't know when the Israelites would return, or when they would invade, but she immediately tied that rope in her window and she waited. She was making a statement of her commitment to all who saw that she was choosing the God of Israel over her own people. Every time the Israelites marched around that city, they saw that scarlet rope. If they could see it, you know what? Most likely people of Jericho could see it too. There is danger for her even in the act of obedience of just putting that rope in her window and waiting. In this, in this story, it can seem like they, they invaded immediately. They came and destroyed Jericho pretty immediately. But we know that's not true. We know that the spies hid out in the, for three days before they even went back to the Israelite camp. Who knows how long they took them to plan their attack? Or how long they worshipped and fasted and did whatever they needed to do before invading. We know that they marched around the walls of Jericho for seven days, which, you know, Rahab was watching. Must have seemed crazy to her, but she still had faith and trusted that God and the men of God would keep their word. So there was a period of time between when these men left and before her family was saved. And she just had to have faith and was committed to wait on the Lord. The faith that Rahab exhibits in tying that scarlet rope and waiting is similar to the faith that Noah showed by building an ark in the desert and Moses showed by holding up that staff to part the Red Sea. All required faith and action without proof. Second, we live out our faith by being bold. We see that Rahab was bold in both her actions and her words. Rahab was bold in her actions. Rahab's courageous act in hiding the two Israelite spies indicate her trust and faith in the Lord of Israel. Despite the dangers to her from her own people, she chose to worship the living God of Israel instead of the gods made of wood and stones that the people of Jericho worshiped. And the Lord rewarded her, and her for her faith and protected her and her family from the destruction of Jericho. We look at James chapter 2, verses 2 to 26. It says, You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Our faith should lead to action. Faith that is not lived out in action is dead. Those are powerful words that should give us pause. Faith that is not lived out in action is dead. Does our faith lead to action? Are we willing to put our comfort at risk for our faith? Faith is about taking the step even if you do not know the outcome. Some of us wait until we have enough faith before we take the step. That is not how faith works. Rahab was bold with her faith. She took a step of faith even though she didn't know what the outcome would be. Even though she didn't know if there was any way these men would come back and save her. She took the bold step. Don't wait until you think you have enough faith to take the step. That is not bold faith. Bold faith is when you take the leap, even when you have reservations, even when you do not know the outcome. How many times have we talked ourselves out of something because we feel like we lack faith or we don't know enough of God's word? Rahab hardly knew anything about God, yet she had faith. And as a result, she is now in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Our faith grows when we take the step. It will never grow while we are waiting for our faith to mature before acting. Where is God calling you to act in faith? Maybe God is calling you to serve in Metro Kids, but you're hesitant because you feel like you don't know enough of the Bible. Maybe God is calling you to lead a small group, but you're shy and you're waiting for your faith to grow. Maybe God is calling yourself to put yourself out there and meet some people and get to know and build some relationships with some people in this church, but you're hesitant because you, don't, you feel rejection. We have to take the step if we want faith to grow. Some of us love the idea of becoming healthy and exercising, but we don't actually exercise. Many of us treat faith like this we love the idea of faith. But we don't actually want to do the hard work. We want increased faith, but faith is like a muscle that must be exercised to have endurance and strength to live it out boldly. We must also tap into the supernatural faith offered to us through the Holy Spirit by spending time with God regularly. Rahab is not just only bold with her actions, but she is bold with her words. She boldly asked for what she wanted and she needed. She asked the men of Israel for safety for herself and her family. And when they came back into Jericho, would they guarantee her safety and her family's safety? She had no way of knowing. She just had to trust and be bold and ask and put her faith in God and these men. Joshua chapter 2, 12 to 13 now then please swear to me by the lord that you will show kindness to my family because i have shown kindness to you give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death her bold ass was based on what she had heard about the lord and how she had he had been with And saved his people. She had heard stories about the Lord and believed in him and his power, and this led her to ask boldly for her and her family's protection. Are you bold enough and have enough faith to ask for what you need from God and others? Are you bold enough to tell the truth in love? Our faith must be lived out in boldness in both action and words. I think sometimes we're not bold in our faith because we're too comfortable. We live a life of comfort. We are not desperate for God. We don't thirst and hunger for God's provision. Rahab's faith was extraordinary because she was desperate. She knew she couldn't survive unless God and the people of God intervened. This is how our faith should be. We need to be desperate for God. When we acknowledge that we desperately need God, then we will be willing to live out our faith boldly in both action and words. Third, we live out our faith when we don't let our circumstances define us. Rahab is an unlikely hero. We know that she was a prostitute, but we don't know what hardships and traumas she endured to choose such a difficult path. We know that she was a businesswoman, We know that she loved her family and was willing to put her life at risk for them. Although Rahab's profession was not highly admirable, God can work through anyone where faith abounds. Rahab didn't let her profession and her lifestyle preclude her, and God didn't preclude her either. Rahab's story reminds us that our past is never good enough to earn God's salvation nor scandalous scandalous enough to keep us from it. God doesn't have a nice or naughty list. We can wholeheartedly admit that nobody is perfect. And God knows we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We all need God's mercy. And Rahab was no exception. She simply believed and had faith in the Lord beyond measure. She had a faith that was real and sincere, and her faith never wavered in the face of adversity. God honors people who respond to him in faith. Just like our past couldn't stop us from being faithful, our current circumstances shouldn't stop us either. Rahab was a prostitute when she hid those spies. Sometimes our circumstances may hide where God is calling us to. Rahab's faith Profession didn't stop her call, and our circumstances won't stop God's call on our lives. God can use anyone and everyone, despite and maybe because of our circumstances. We just have to let Him. Right. So, to the kids out there who are watching or who are in person, I know that sometimes it may feel like your choices don't matter or that they don't make any difference, but be faithful. Because you never know when God will use you to build his kingdom. Like Rahab, we must simply believe and put our faith and trust in him and him alone. We must live out our life, our faith in God. Faith in God saves. God rewarded Rahab by giving her more than she ever asked. Not only did he spare her life and her family's lives... But she gave them an inheritance with his people. Jo- Joshua chapter 6, verse 22 to 23. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, Go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab her, her father and mother, her brothers and sisters, and all who belonged to them, they brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. So the men of Israel kept their word, they saved Rahab and her family, and they put them in a, ca- a place outside the camp of Israel. But God brought them to the center of his story and the lineage of Jesus Christ. God saves those with the past because it is for those of us with the past that he came to save. The good news is that no choice we've ever made, no scars we've ever inflicted, no substance we've ever taken, no words we've ever flung in anger, no, no body that was ever misused can keep us from the saving grace of Jesus Christ. God can use anyone For his glory. And we just need to allow him to use us. Are there whispers from your past that might be keeping you from letting God use you mightily today? Rahab's story gives us hope. If God can use someone with Rahab's background for his glory, then he can use any one of us. The only criteria for being part of God's family is our faithfulness. Nothing else. It is her faith that made her righteous and qualified to be in the lineage of Jesus Christ. This story is meaningful to me personally because I see myself in her story. I grew up in a conservative Indian Christian home being taught that I would one day have an arranged marriage. This is not that they would select someone for me when I was a child and I had to marry that person, but that when I came of age that my parents thought I should marry, that they would circulate my biodata, which is apparently information about me, um, and they would tell all their friends and, and family information about me. And, they, and their friends and family would tell them friend, about information about some boy out there, right? And they would make a selection based on someone who they thought would be appropriate husband for me. When I was 24 years old, my parents arranged a marriage for me to a man in India. On paper, he was the perfect match for me. I was educated and very active in my church community. This man was the son of a pastor, educated, and very involved in his church also. We spoke on the phone a few times, and both of us agreed to the marriage. I went to India, I met him, and within a, few, uh, within a week, we were married. It took a year for him to get his visa and everything in order for him to come to this country and for us to live together as man and wife. Unfortunately, this marriage turned out to be abusive emotionally, verbally, and physically. My solution was to avoid him as much as possible. I worked three jobs. I sat in parking lots until 11 p.m. when he would go leave for work. I would leave for work before he got home. I spent all day Sunday at church or doing church activities. And so we were able to stay married for over five and a half years before separating. I was so discouraged from my life that I used to daydream about just disappearing to some other part of the world or dying in an accident. Because somehow I had been fully convicted that I was going to die by his hands one day. And it was just a matter of time of when. And I just wanted to hold on until my siblings were married so that their lives wouldn't be ruined or their prospects of marriage wouldn't be ruined. Like I said, my parents circulated bio data about me, right? Part of that is what, about your family background too. And if there was divorce in the family, guess what? That would affect my, my siblings' chances of marriage also. So this conviction of my imminent death was my ever-present companion during most of my marriage to the point where I almost welcomed it, just so that the wait would be over. I had to call the police at one point, and I, but I ended up going back home. I was a Christian and I didn't believe in divorce. I was an Indian and I didn't want to bring shame on my family or, like I said, ruin my siblings' chances of marriage. So I, didn't, I, so I chose not to press charges. My parents eventually found out and we separated. And eventually he filed for divorce. Ultimately, everyone in the Indian community that I was a part of knew, because there was always plenty of people willing to spread gossip. I was very active in my church community. I was Sunday school superintendent. I was youth director. I was actually even youth director of our North American conference that we did every year. But suddenly, I was getting letters telling me that people did not want me near their children. That they did not want me to hold these positions of leadership anymore. My church, which I had been part of church planting after a church split, had just told me that I was no longer a member of their church because I was part of my husband's family and he didn't attend there anymore. So I was basically kicked out of the church I had spent the past nine years building, the church I had helped start before I had even met my husband. You think the abuse burden and weariness is over when you leave the situation. But sometimes it's worse when the church, which you thought of as family, tell you that you are the evil that they don't want near their children. You are basically toxic. My immediate family stuck by me and did not push me to go back, but helped me to get a restraining order. When I read Rahab's story, I can see how it can seem inconceivable to her that God would pick her or save her. But she still put her faith in the Lord into action and she still trusted and waited on the Lord. God is faithful. I call myself the accidental pastor because I honestly have no idea how this happened. One day while driving to work, listening to Christian music, Weary from my life, I heard a commercial for Naya College and Alliance Theological Seminary. I heard this commercial multiple times before. I don't know what happened that day, but I called the number, and I asked for an application for seminary. Here I was, contemplating going to seminary, mostly to escape my life, right? Not fully realizing that this was an invitation from God and an act of faith on my part. Would a seminary accept me? when my church didn't want me. This was my fear and an act of faith on my part to even fill out the application, much less send it in. I did get accepted and I still remember my first class, systematic theology, super exciting class, but um, as you can imagine, but it started with the devotional. And as I sat listening to a devotional, I felt a sense of peace that I have never felt before. I had always wanted to go to seminary. I think that's something God had placed on my heart. But having grown up in a denomination that did not affirm women in ministry, I never saw it as an option. I also had no purpose in going to seminary, except to learn from myself, Um, but it turned out to be the place where God gave me rest and refreshed my soul, where I got to grow as a person and work on myself. I met my husband, Scott, uh, through a friend while I was at seminary. He was Catholic, so when he found out I was in seminary, he was like, why are we dating if you're going to be a nun? And... uh, (laughs) then when I was like, I'm going to quit seminary. I, I, this is not going anywhere. He was the one who asked, told me to finish seminary and do my internship at a church. This church, actually. And when Metro offered me a job as a pastor, he was the one to tell me that he believed I could do the job, that I should take the job. It all started with taking a step of faith and trusting that God would work it out. Today, I am an ordained pastor of the Evangelical Covenant Church. I lead the entire student ministry staff from birth to college and directly oversee and lead six other pastors and directors on staff. I'm on the board of the Covenant Asian Pastors Association overseeing care for Asian pastors within our denomination. I'm on the executive board of the East Coast Conference of our denomination and I lead in so many other places. I could never have imagined how God would honor my boldness of acting in faith by taking his invitation to go to seminary and trusting that God would use me for his glory in some way. Amen. I could have less, left my, let my past or my failures in the past disqualify me if I had let the voices of others or even myself yeah. that be louder than the voice of God. Yeah. Do not Let the enemy take ground that God has already redeemed. What is the enemy bringing up from years ago or even last week to taunt you that you are disqualified? Mm. Do not give the enemy ground that Jesus has already redeemed. Jesus' own lineage shows how God powerfully uses despite our past. God doesn't call us to perfection or even to a perfect past, but to faithfulness. We, like Rahab, are called to live out our faith boldly and trust God for his timing, not ours. When we live out our faith, we become part of God's story. Rahab became part of God's story and even the lineage of Jesus Christ. And when we accept Jesus as our Savior and we boldly share our faith with others and grow the kingdom of God, we become part of God's story. God's story isn't done. It is still being written. And we are all part of that story. It is up to us how actively we live out our story of faith. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I just thank you that you are a God who loves us, a God that is faithful. Help us to be faithful people who trust you, who live out our faith boldly, both in action and words, who don't let our past disqualify us, Lord, who remembers that you have chosen Rahab, you have chosen all the people in the Bible with a past, Lord, that our past doesn't disqualify us, Lord. And so, Lord, help us to know that you are a God who is beyond circumstances, Lord, I just ask that you work in the hearts and minds of all those here, Lord. I know that there is some that you are calling to faithfulness, that there are some that you are calling to boldness, some that you are calling to put down their past and say this is not a burden you need to carry anymore, to just give it to Jesus, Lord. Lord, give the people who are here who need to take action the courage and boldness to do that. Because you didn't call us to be timid. You called us to be courageous and bold, Lord. So help us to be a people who have heard your word and are transformed by the word, who are agents of transformation in this word, Lord. And so I just put all the people who are here in person and who are virtually watching this message into your hands, Lord. Work a miracle in our hearts, Lord. Help us to be your people who are your salt and light in this world. Who stand up boldly for our faith, Lord. Who are courageously building your kingdom. And so I just ask that you bless us. Praise all in your precious name. Amen.